Have you ever been told at some point in your life that you are not good enough, smart enough, strong enough, rich enough, or any reason really? This podcast is meant to teach, motivate, and inspire you to never lose sight of what your true passion is and to always believe you are far more capable than you think. Welcome to the Why Not Me podcast with your host, David Florence. Each week, we'll bring you a special guest that will truly motivate, inspire, and encourage you to never lose sight of who you are, what it is you're meant to do, and to offer valuable advice on what steps you can take to help you believe in yourself, achieve your dreams, and ultimately lead you to discover your purpose, passion, and drive. There's only so much you can learn from a book, a course, a class, a webinar, but I think that hands-on uh, practice knowledge, um, that, that learn knowledge is great, but I like to put it in action. Um, and for me, I take those risks, again, sizable and measurable, and then move forward. And I think um, if I'm gonna fail, I wanna fail fast. I wanna fail quick, I wanna fail early, and if I fail hard, I fail hard. Right. But most of the times, I'm gonna fail, and it's gonna be a slight fail, but it's gonna be the fail that you learn so much from. Welcome back to the Why Not Me podcast. Today, I bring to you a very special uh, guest and a fellow entrepreneur with many, many uh, helpful tips and strategies and success stories to help us fellow entrepreneurs out there looking to uh, get into business or maybe change careers. I'm excited to bring uh, Cortez Adams onto the show and let him share his message and his story. And uh, I know you'll love it. Let me give you a little background on Cortez first before we begin. Cortez served in the U.S. Army as a reservist in the National Guard as a paratrooper. He transitioned over to the tech industry in 2014, quickly gained experience in everything from project management to solution architecture and even software deployments. Cortez leveraged that background in technology and banking and found a niche within the financial tech space. In this short time, he's managed multiple million-dollar projects for banks in Tokyo, Chile, and here in the United States. Cortez was nominated for the Silicon Valley Business Journal's 40 Under 40, and he's looked to as a subject matter expert for digital banking and payment trends. He now serves as Director of Partnerships and Procurement at Lumen Digital, a cloud-based fintech firm based in Ramon, California, where he helps spearhead organizations' diversity and inclusion efforts. When he's not traveling for business, Cortez and his wife, are successfully building a vacation empire in the Airbnb industry. Cortez holds a business and information degree from Fairleigh Dickinson University along with multiple IT certifications. Somehow he continues to thrive in both tech and real estate with no plans of stopping. Super excited to bring you on. Welcome to the show, Cortez. Quick story of how we met um, first off and how taking advantage of those opportunities are so important in, uh, in our daily lives and to recognize those. So, um, so to our listeners, basically how Cortez and I met, we were on a flight to San Diego right. uh, and um, we just started, I don't, I don't even know how the conversation started. Cortez, do you remember how we kind of jumped into it? I think I got on the flight late. You were already sitting and uh, I remember just kind of scooching in. Hey man, sorry about that. Let me get on in. I think I was on the inside. So I, right. think, I think it just started just based on proximity. Right. And then, um, and then we just started chatting and, and really um, finding out that we have, you know, a lot of things in common, you know, we, you know, but we both were in track and field and we're sprinters and, um, and while well, you were still in a tech field, I, I used to be in a tech field and uh, just really just started like having a great conversation that kind of just led to 
hey, um, let's stay in touch. And, you know, and those rare opportunities of when you're, especially on an airplane, people do not want to have a conversation with you. And so you and I were, we talked I, pretty much, I think almost the whole flight where I was going to say, that's a, that's a long flight from Atlanta <laughs> to San Diego. And I think we literally talked the entire, what, four hours. ish. <laughs> I think so. I think so. And that was, uh, and that was almost kind of the near the end of the um, pandemic with the masks and stuff like that. So I can't remember if we had masks on or we were trying to talk through masks, but I think we, we got through it. And, uh, it was a it was a fun conversation. I really enjoyed it. And um, so anyone listening out this out there, take advantage of those opportunities. If you know, if you're sitting next to somebody at an airport or on a bus or you know, anywhere um, where you never know who you're connecting with and and how great opportunities that that could be for something, you know, maybe in the future or a connection that you're, you know, you never would have had in the first place. So um, I wanted to share that quick story kind of about that. So uh um, I was glad we we met and we had that conversation and uh, le- led us to where we are today. Um, okay. Hopefully, starting of a new uh, continued long friendship, so <laughs> connection. So, um, so um, Cortez, uh, about your um, your background, uh, you know, like a good mentor of mine said, you have to be in a room to make those connections, as I said, but um, and who you come across with and and how those um, connections can help really guides you um, down a path that maybe you have some questions about. Um, so tell us a little bit about your story and um, let's jump back into a time, if you will, and tell us about uh, maybe the young Cortez and like really what led you to where you are today. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think that's great. It's probably a good place to start. And uh, again, thanks for for having me. I think it's a, a great, great platform and uh, look forward to sharing today. Appreciate uh, it. But yeah, uh, I think, uh, you know, the just of it is I had probably a, a typical upbringing to, to many people that probably look like me or, or about the same age as me. I grew up in the uh, Washington, D.C. area, uh, PG County, to be specific, um, and a single mother. So I was raised by a single mom and uh, it's myself and my brother. We're about nine years apart. So I was kind of really the only child, um, you know, kind of raised by a, a young, uh, mm-hmm. aspiring businesswoman herself um, coming up as a kid, uh, you know, right outside of Washington, D.C. and bounce back and forth between Maryland and D.C. That area just kind of overlaps, if you will. Borders are kind of invisible, if you will. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, typical upbringing. I wouldn't say we were in poverty, uh, but uh, things were tough. Things were tight. You know, she was struggling as a young woman raising a young man. Uh, she had me really young. She was a straight A student in high school. And uh, I think her junior year, she got pregnant with me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she goes from, you know, I'm off to college and I'm bound to be successful and had aspirations of doing things in accounting and business. And again, you know, honor roll, straight A student and dean's list type of, you know, type of girl. And uh, mm-hmm. oops. Here comes a baby. Right. Uh, so obviously threw a wrench in, into her life. And so much of my childhood became the result of what her adulthood should have been. And maybe what her adulthood could have been um, had she maybe not have made that quote unquote mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was pushed really hard as a young man to get good grades and uh, be successful in athletics and um, join every club there was in school. And no matter, you know, the fact that I grew up kind of in the inner city in PG County, Suitland and Forestville and 
Right. Seri Square apartment complexes. And we really bounced around from apartment to apartment every year or every year and a half. Whenever that lease was up and that price increase was coming, mom knew it and we were on our way to the next place, right? So it was right. always kind of a, a tight trade between budget and where mm -hmm. we could live and things like that. But um, uh, but yeah, I was I was pushed really hard and mom was really strict, really strict on me. And we had a good foundation, um, I think, of, of uh, church and mm -hmm. Our faith was a really big part of our upbringing, but um, imagine uh, yourself kind of being amongst a bunch of people who maybe to most people that I grew up with, education wasn't that important. It was more about sports, athletics, right. uh, maybe dressing and wearing the coolest clothes or the, the hottest sneaker. And I think for me coming up in my household, it was all about books, athletic performance, uh, being well-spoken and making sure I'm always in a book or doing something productive that's um, you know, challenging me mentally. And then right. again, um, you know, being involved in activities that push me outside of my normal comfort zone. Right. And that was different than the things that I think my peers were involved in, like the stock market club or the math team, the chess team, things like that. Um, so just kind of a weird, weird place. I grew up in the same place, but I think my experience kind of from where I'm from is probably a little unique just because of my mom and that strong personality she raised me with. Right. And, and that's a good um, segue to to anyone who's struggling right now, you know, with their with how they were brought up or being brought up. That really doesn't matter. You know, you have you if you have that strong individual in your life and which yeah. you did, your mom, even you know, um, who who really at a young age set that example for you. Like, you know, she did not let that stop her. She you know, she worked hard and she's continued to set a good example for you. Um, and wanting the best for you and, and for her too. So, so I think that's strong, um, you know, message to send to people who are, who, who are maybe thinking today or young listeners listening that, Hey, I, I don't have a shot when right. we all, we do all have a shot. And especially if we've got that strong, um, parent or individual in our life, doesn't have to be a parent, could be anyone right. a role model um, right. to help us down that path. Um, so you talked about like how strong your mom was at that time. So what did like at that time when you were young growing up, what was um, what was her path? Like, what was it like for her? What was she doing to set those examples for you yeah. to, to set like, um, you know, you mentioned you were doing th things different than your friends were. Yeah. Um, and like, so what, like, how did you get there? Did she, was she into that as well? Like, what was her, what, like, yeah. what was her path? Yeah, you know what, I, I honestly think, and I've come to this kind of realization as an adult, you know, it probably took me until I was 35 to kind of really think back and say, wow, I mean, you know, mom really did a good job. I mean, we struggled and there were some tough times and some years where we didn't have, and I may not have been able to have a new pair of sneakers going into the school year. And I went to school with kind of the old stuff from last year and things like that. But for the most part, I never looked at it that way. And um, I think the biggest things that my mom did, honestly, was to give me a different perspective. Again, it didn't matter that I was living in an apartment complex with a mm -hmm. whole bunch of knuckleheads that I was going to school with that cursed mm -hmm. and, you know, carried themselves a certain way. They they had their their pants, were, their jeans were baggy, hanging off their backs. Right. And, right. you know, they, they, they had their book bag on with one strap where I, I was just raised a little differently. Right. Um, where certain things just weren't okay and weren't acceptable. I couldn't bring a C home, right, mm -hmm. on my report card. That's mm -hmm. just not happening. Right. Um, so I think it started with kind of the expectation 
And, uh, and again, I knew the fact that my mom was a really good student. Just coming up as a kid, I always heard that from her peers, from her friends, of how driven my mom was and how successful she wanted to be. And again, she was still pushing towards it. She's doing great now, by the way, fast forward. Um, but, you know, at the time, I knew kind of the expectation that was set before me. And then she was really clear in reinforcing it. So, for example, um, although my dad came around later, kind of when right. I was in high school and later in life, and we've got a great relationship now, but in the early days, my mom had to find other male influences that could also give me a little bit of that mirror of maybe what I could look towards. Right. So I had a I had a godfather, um, Woody. I mean, shout out to Woody, man. Just mm -hmm. I mean, he was kind of a savior in that gap between my father and I's relationship kind of being mended later in life. Right. Uh, and kind of my mom and I. Um, and he was just really influential. He was an entrepreneur, just a maverick. I mean, for his time, he was involved in everything. He had a clothing store, a barber shop. Um, he was actually starting a consulting business. He was involved in real estate. He was investing in properties in the inner city in Baltimore, which was about an hour away from where I grew up. And he would even sometimes take me, pick me up after school, drive me to Baltimore and just let me spend the day with him just to kind of I mean, there wasn't anything like scripted or he didn't like impart these like, you know, crazy things to me um, that I remember, you know, verbatim. But it was right. just the examples. You know, my mom would always take me to a barbershop and the barbershop she took me to had successful entrepreneurs in the barbershop, rather getting their hair cut or the owner of the barbershop. I'm still friends with the guy today. Fast forward, I'm almost 40. And I still stay in contact with the barber who cut my hair when I was nine years old because wow. of the impression that he made on me at the time. And uh, he almost kind of probably looks at me kind of like a son. I mean, he reaches out to me every now and again and we stay in contact. We talk about life and sports and, you know, education and kids and, and things like that. So mom did a really good job of kind of setting the expectation, reinforcing it with activities, um, sports, mm -hmm. clubs and school and things like that being involved in school, being present there, and then also trying to get other male role models kind of in my life. Again, didn't see it coming up as, you know, this job that mom was doing, but looking back, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, hands down, I mean, she absolutely did the best she could. And I right. think I benefited from it as I got older, as I went off to college and obviously, you know, with the wife and kids of my own now, I'm, I'm appreciative. Right. And and that's, uh, you know, like I mean, when you and I spoke previously to the podcast, when we got on to the listeners know um, Cortez and I were talking uh, about kind of like our, our backgrounds and our up upbringings. And I mentioned to you that, you know, I was one of seven children, um, okay. grew up in a pretty rough city in Connecticut, uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut. And oh, yeah. uh, and um, my dad worked four or five jobs and you know, he, he didn't get past the third, fourth grade, you know, because his when his father died young. And so but to him, it was important to set that good example of working hard and always giving your best. And um, ed education does matter, uh, even though he didn't complete it. He always encouraged us. And so we always had that reinforcement that um, he wanted us to be better than he was. And he would still yeah. he laid that foundation. Right. And so I think it's important that we have those people in our lives yep. and whether it whether it is a parent um a barber a coach you know like a in my coach life. yeah that right. was gonna say it could be a right. coach grandparent right anyway. exactly i mean so honestly like anyone who ever came in my path i had i was fortunate to have a lot of good mentors i had my dad um i had um my coaches in high school and in college and and uh just anyone i would learn 
from. I, I mean, I figure we can learn from anyone who surrounds us, right? We can take something from everyone. And so I think it's important to recognize those things and the gifts that, you know, they're, they're giving us, you know, sometimes it's not easy to see when it's in the moment, but if you step back and kind of look at it from a different perspective or a different lens, then it really, it's interesting how we take things from everybody who we encounter each and every day. So, um, you know, my encounter with you on the airplane, I'm like, as soon as I got off the airplane, I took some notes down of what you said. And I'm like, so, you know, like, uh, you know, from investing to real estate, you know, so I started taking those little notes down, like trying to remember everything you said. And then, so really take advantage of those opportunities and yeah. those people who are put in your life. So um, I think it's phenomenal. Your mom did obviously a great job and your coaches and your, and your dad now. And so it's nice that you have formed all those relationships to pass on to your kids and to your, and to lead with your family. So um, I think that's really important. So um I did a little digging on your, you know, and your Instagram and and in your business and everything of what you do and how successful you are. So I have a lot of questions to throw at you um, as far as business and then sales and marketing. So, but I want to start start out with um, is, you know, being an entrepreneur and the and what it takes to first coming up with that thought and then what it takes to have the strategy to make that happen, and then and then you got to take it a next step further of how to figure out how do you want to implement and take action. Um, all this determines your drive, right? So what strategies did you take personally when you first started your journey? Um, and what would you tell that person listening who's wanting to take on something, but really has no idea even where to begin? Yeah, no, I, I think that's important. And I think for me, I've been a, a risk taker, right? I'm not afraid of taking risk. But one thing about me, I I like to take sizable, but measured risk. And what I mean by that is I want to make a big step that's going to be hopefully the step that is fruitful, that I'm going to get a decent return or for me, a sizable return. Mm -hmm. But I also want to measure it prior to. So what I mean by that is um, I'm going to do ample amount of research. I don't need to become an expert. Um, I don't need to know everything. I don't have to have A to Z figured out before I move forward. But I at least need to have you know, the first five to six steps, right? Once I make this move, the next step is going to be this. The next step is going to be that potential risk here, qualification there. I'm going to need this to move it forward. I need to kind of have those first, let's call it five to six steps kind of documented, outlined, and I'm kind of privy to what that path looks like. Mm -hmm. And then I try to make moves that are going to get, again, going to bring me back a decent return. Right. I don't just kind of put my hands in everything. I could be doing a bunch of other things, investing right. in this and that. But I really try to focus it on areas that um, I'm adept at, I'm good at, uh, that, mm-hmm. that's a natural fit for me, personality wise, drive wise. Um, and then jump in because I think experience is the best educator. Um, right. There's only so much you can learn from a book, a course, a class, a webinar. But mm-hmm. I think that hands on, uh, practice knowledge, um, that, that learn knowledge is great, but I like to put it in action. Um, and for me, I take those risks again, sizable and measurable and then move forward. And I think, um, if I'm going to fail, I want to fail fast. I want to fail quick. I want to fail early. And if I fail hard, I fail hard, but most of the times I'm going to fail and it's going to be a slight fail, but it's going to be the fail that you learn so much from. So mm-hmm. to the world, the outside person may say, oh, man, that business didn't work out. Cortez opened that gym, you mm-hmm. know, back in the early 2000s. And where did it go? It fizzled out. But guess what? I learned so much about running a business 
when I open that brick and mortar gym that I carry with me today, all my businesses today are all remote based businesses. You know, I manage the real estate company and the property management firm. And even what I do, obviously, in tech spaces, literally all from the same office. Right. So I learned so much just about, you know, bookkeeping and, um, you know, just kind of managing day to day operations and scheduling and marketing and sales and a bunch of other things just from that time. So fail fast, take those sizable but measured risk. Okay. That's great advice. And, and, and really often it comes down to having that, uh, that plan. So, and, and what action you're taking to, you know, to make it succeed. And sometimes, like you said, sometimes it fails, but uh, that's the only way you're going to learn from and get better at it and, and to take that risk. So, uh, and then uh, Cortez, what about um, when um, you and I were talking earlier as well, you mentioned FinTech um, and to those listening who don't know what that is, can you talk a little bit about that? And if anyone does want to get into it, um, you know, where, how yeah. can, how can they start? Yeah, no, I mean, listen, FinTech has been uh, a great niche for me. Um, and I'll take a step back and maybe kind of give you kind of a little overview of kind of what it is. Um, so you think about IT, you think about the technology space. A lot of people kind of go to the big names, right? They go to Google or Facebook, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they think about the big the big tech firms that are out there, Apple and Cisco, and you know, they start to kind of think of kind of along, along those lines. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times, you know, those companies are great, especially for, you know, any young people, young person out there that may be interested in getting into the tech field. I encourage you to do it. Mm -hmm. It's been extremely lucrative for me. It's been able to allow me the number one, the flexibility and the finances, the funds to be able to invest and do other things. Um, and I can talk a little bit more about that and kind of the path mm -hmm. of that. Um, but financial technology is a subset within the tech space. Um, it has to do with organizations that are processing payments that are involved in the money, the, the cash flow, the payments that move the world, that mm -hmm. move technology, that move business, that move education, that move every industry. So a, a good example of a fintech firm would be like Zelle, right? Could be uh, PayPal, mm -hmm. right? Could be American Express, Visa. Those are the bigger names in fintech. But right. underneath those huge payment companies, there are tons, tons and tons and tons of US-based and international fintech companies. And nine times out of 10, um, these companies are going to be uh, very innovative. You have to, just based on the, the change, you know, think about uh, ACH and NACHA rules and real-time payments and the way and the pace that trends evolve in that, in that industry, right? In this subset within an industry, right? right? You've got to be on your toes. So they're always looking for new talent. They're open to new ideas. They're open to diversity of age and gender and background and education to kind of bring together uh, a representation of what their client base is. Um, so I've found a really good home within financial technology. Uh, and again, it's been really good for me. I've been in the industry uh, in total, oh God, about 12, maybe 14 years. I'm losing track. It's coming up on 15, um, but it's been, it's been a good time. And again, I work completely remote. Some travel involved in that, obviously, as as you mentioned, kind of in the opening about my bio. Um, but when I'm not doing that, I still have that flexibility to kind of set my own day, set my own pace, set my own week. And right. I can kind of mix and mingle in some entrepreneurial things, some business things after work or early mornings or mm -hmm. kind of midday during a lunch break. Um, and obviously, you know, in the weekends as well. 
And what about education for that? So if, again, if someone's interested in that, is there a specific path they take or that you took to to jump into that? You know, that's a good question. Um, There's so many different roles and responsibilities within a typical financial technology company. So it's kind of hard to say one path, but I can give the example for me. I started off at, I graduated college, you know, uh, business and information systems degrees. And I kind of got a couple certifications early on just to kind of set me apart. Nothing crazy, just, you know, technical certifications right out of school. But my focus was really on the business side. Um, I had a couple internships in tech, but I didn't know what exactly I wanted to do within the IT field when I got out of school. So I took the first job that was the highest paying uh, when I graduated and it was in banking. Um, I made it and I was one of 10, I believe 10 or 11 people um, that year that graduated that were selected nationwide for PNC Bank's leadership development program. Mm -hmm. Uh, So PNC Bank flew me to Pittsburgh um, and uh, showed me the ropes in banking. I learned about commercial lending. I learned about uh, the technology side of banking, marketing, uh, branch operations, uh, commercial lending, commercial banking, right? Treasury management. I learned about all these bank functions and, you know, over about a three to six month period, they kind of just Fill your brain with how banks work and how they operate. Um, after that, I got a full-time job with PNC and then kind of worked in banking for about five years, uh, four to five years. Um, and I quickly saw myself developing an interest, not necessarily for the bank operations themselves, mm-hmm. but for the technology that the banks were using and the platforms that we used at the bank were so cool to me. Right. So I, I found myself without even being asked to do it, becoming like the champion in my office, the champion within my team of the new applications that were being rolled out. So at Bank of America, when I got there, we had this new system called Genesis. And it was so cool to me, so much data and so many dashboards and tools and widgets. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started looking and that's kind of how I stumbled into figuring out, oh, this is a company, it's a FinTech and they only deal with bank technology. How cool is this? It marries two of my interests you know, banking and business and then technology, right? So that's kind of how I found out about it and how I got started was I looked for roles that didn't require huge technical aptitude. Like I didn't want to become a programmer. I didn't want to be like an engineer, right? But I wanted to get in tech and I wanted to touch and be involved in the application. So I looked at jobs like account manager, Mm -hmm. which essentially is managing existing relationships, Um, technical sales roles, right? I need to understand the technology to be able to articulate it to a potential client, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Project manager. Hey, I need to know about the product, but I'm just really going to be managing resources, people, time. You know, I'm just going to be making sure everything kind of gets done and kind of overseeing a project as it's being delivered. So those are three roles um, that I think are easy uh, ways to get started, easy ways to get in in, in the space, um, that didn't require you again to have that programming or deep technical background to get in the door. Now, right. once you're there, you can then obviously develop that, you know, study the applications, become more of an expert in the application itself. And then you can obviously, uh, you know, parlay that over into the technical space or continue to go more in the business side of tech, which I've been able to do again over the past, you know, 12 or 13 years. Right. And would you say from from that standpoint with FinTech, uh, would you deem that your um, your passion? Like, oh, or, no doubt, no and, doubt. Yeah. And then, and then, kind of parlaying off of that, that passions allowed you to dabble um, in what you know I like to call an you know side hustle that's turned you into a successful entrepreneur. I mean, yeah. you know, from 
everything I've known about you and, and what you and I've talked about is you also seem to have a similar passion, you know, with your entrepreneurial spirit. So that that's, you know, it's morphed into um, investing and in, in helping others, um, you know, not just work hard, but work smart. And, uh, and that's what I like about you. That's what, you know, after you know, I love following your Instagram posts and seeing those little tidbits that you put those teasers that yep. like just want you on a little bit more of, uh, you know, like, Hey, that sounds like something really good. And also you sound very passionate. It comes across as very passionate about that as yeah. well. Um, your wife as well. So, um, so I appreciate that for, you know, about you and about, uh, about her when you guys make those posts. So thank you for sharing all those. Yeah. Um, so the other part, um, would be like, um, I think it's important that what, you know, what we're doing, we are passionate about because it does allow us other opportunities, um, for that specific side hustle where we, you know, for example, like I always want to play professional baseball. Well, that's not going to happen. I'm just not good enough. Right. But, you know, maybe there's other ways that I can kind of get into, you know, sports or, you know, yeah. coaching and, and, and deliver that passion, you know, from another, get another angle, if you will. Um, from um, a, a st marketing sales strategy from that standpoint, um, what type of marketing and sales strategies are central if someone is, you know, if they want to be successful, you know, in that, in that other, other uh, business that they're pursuing. And yeah. can you talk about some of the things that you've done to make yourself successful in that area? Oh, no doubt. I think you have to be smart about marketing and obviously on the sales side, no doubt. Um, mainly because I don't have infinite amount of time, right? If I, I'm literally splitting time, trading time from my corporate life, mm. uh, I'm in a leadership role at a, you know, at a tech company. So I don't have a whole bunch of time to just spend hours and hours per day on a business, right? Um, but I try to work smart. I try to leverage the tools that I have, which social media, you know, hate it or love it is a tool. It is a marketing tool. Um, that you can leverage to, um, you know, to, to attract the right type of clients, to attract the right type of partners potentially. Um, and uh, it's it's been a good tool for me. So Facebook and, mm -hmm. and uh, Instagram primarily for me have been the most uh, fruitful. And for my business, I don't really need a ton of direct exposure on those platforms to mm -hmm. do what I do, um, but it definitely helps. So I try to make a post, you know, every other day, um, I do a couple of reels here and there, um, but it's really, for me, the biggest piece of marketing advice, I would say, is just what you started the conversation with. And it's getting in the room with the right people in the right environment, being open, having conversations, talking to people, and then let your social media and everything else kind of follow up what you actually are about in real life. Right. So many people today are on social media and you're getting a shell or a version of them. And it's a polished up version of what they want you to see. Mm -hmm. If you've got no substance, if you've got no knowledge, if you've got no direct experience that you can share and help people with day to day, and there's no, there's no depth to that. Right. Um, I think people are going to figure that out pretty soon. Mm -hmm. um, so I try to, you know, stay sharp in 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 both the the tech space and everything I do there, and obviously the investing side and the side mm -hmm. hustles and everything else that I'm doing on the real estate and Airbnb end. Um, so that way I can provide that knowledge. And when someone does decide, you know, I want to book a consultation with Cortez and, and kind of mm -hmm. pick his brain on this idea, or you know, I want to 
I want to buy one of his services and and, and leverage kind of that that skill set and let him, let him go out and do an investment for me. Um, I want to deliver, right? I want to deliver. I want to deliver with expertise, with excellence, on time, on budget, right? I've got that project management background from tech. Yeah. I, <laughs> I want to I want to manage that project um, on the real estate side and on the investing side, just as I would a multi million dollar project for a trillion dollar bank in Tokyo, right? Right. With those. I darn sure can deliver a couple thousand dollar project for you in, in on time. So I try to I try to bring um, you know that background, that knowledge, and over deliver on value in the sessions. That again make the social media posts, the teasers, and the little things you post there kind of just validate and kind of just back that up, kind of complement it, if you will. Um, but I would also say, in addition, that the biggest tool that I use to help me manage day to day is virtual assistants. Oh my god. Right. Dude, when I hired my first VA, it took so much off my plate mm-hmm. of just the little things from PowerPoint presentations. Dude, it can take me. Yeah, I'm a technical guy and I'm mm-hmm. pretty savvy. It could take me hours to develop a really good PowerPoint. Well, I found a VA that can turn those out in like a few hours right. and for a really, really good price. I mean, under five dollars a slide. Right. Um, they can turn those things around quickly pretty quickly. Um, so if you're leveraging uh, by, uh, virtual assistants, mm-hmm. personal assistant, kind of same thing, think about that. And right. you can leverage them. They have different skill sets. You can have a VA that does graphics and PowerPoints. You can have another VA that helps you manage your calendar and your email, helps you respond mm-hmm. to emails. I have another VA that just helps me respond to guests. So when I'm busy working, I don't have time to just jump in on the Airbnb app and just make sure everyone has their check-in instructions and they know where to go and where, where's right. the toilet paper and what to do when right. coffee runs out. But those are easy things that you can document and you can give to an individual that's probably overseas or maybe they're based in the U.S. And they can communicate to your guests for you and kind of help the business keep running. And then you can touch base with them, you know, once a day, twice a day for any, um, you know, high value decisions or high high level decisions that you need to make. And you can help them kind of move it along. Right. Right. Um, But I think they've been critical in my business from a marketing perspective, from a customer service perspective, but also from an operational end as well. Right. And I think to your point, it's it's very smart to. if to maximize um, your time or buy time, if you will, um, yeah. more importantly, what are you doing? If you were able to buy back time, uh, you've heard, you probably heard anybody listening to this. You probably yeah. heard any other podcast from a business or coaching perspective is, yeah. what do we do with our time if we have um, more of it? Or you know, more importantly, are you going to utilize it to from the business side? Right? Um, yeah. Are you maximizing that opportunity? So you've bought back time by having somebody else do something that's going to allow you to earn more money um, yeah. in other areas, which is smart so that you can focus on those areas. And um, so from a, vir- a virtual assistant, uh, I think I know a lot of people who use them and how much um, help it is to their not only the business, but also the personal side, too, where they can. Yeah. Um, focus on other areas where they may be a little bit weaker on or um, need to spend a little more time in. So that's fantastic. I'm so glad you said that. So if somebody um, is listening um, to in, in business right now and has never used one, where where would you direct them to to, to say, hey, um, you may want to look at this company or somebody you've used, you've had success with? Absolutely. Um, I've built relationships with a, a couple kind of subcontractors, if you will, where now I'm just kind of just 
going to them directly and they just kind of spin me up a new VA. They already know my business. They're already familiar with my business. But mm-hmm. where I started was on Fiverr, right? Mm-hmm. I just went on Fiverr, fiverr.com and, you know, jumped on there, you know, typed in whatever the specific job that I was looking for the VA to do initially, the first job. And you touch in, you know, you type in PowerPoints, you can type websites. You know, I did my first website, my first couple of websites I did myself. Again, took me days and days and days to do this. And it probably still wasn't that good, right? Really. Mm-hmm. But then when I realized, dude, I can have a VA build me a whole website for 700 bucks. Wow. Done, right? It's done deal. So fiber.com uh, is a great place to start. Um, if anyone needs any more specifics on, you know, type of VAs or specialized VAs that can do maybe higher level work, um, mm-hmm. then, you know, maybe you can reach out to me. I'd be happy to share specifics on okay. the the companies that I work with, but I think Fiverr is a good place to start. And we can put that in the show notes. And just so uh, I'm hearing you correct, are you saying Fiverr, F-I-B-E-R.com? Fiverr, I believe it's F-I-B-E-R-R. Okay. Don't quote me on it, but I I believe it's too long. uh, No, I appreciate that. I appreciate it. We'll put that in the show notes. And because uh, in in our industry, in in the fitness industry, I know a lot of colleagues are always looking and using different types of VAs for, um, you talk about gym when you said that gym, uh, gym business earlier and, uh, and, and a lot of, uh, everyone's doing everything differently and how, what's, how can they separate themselves from the next, um, facility? So, um, VAs have definitely played a big part of that. So, so glad you mentioned that, um, uh, leading to leading to the next part of that would be really for me saying, Cortez, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've faced, um, during your career, uh, to this point and how did you, um, overcome them or what did you do to solve that that challenge yeah man i think that's 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 a good one and i think you know to a certain extent i don't think we'll ever master every challenge i think if you don't have a challenge right now in your life and your business and your career you're probably too complacent right you're probably taking the easy road you're probably playing it safe um and obviously, you you know, just from knowing me just for a little bit of time and obviously the conversation today, I'm a risk taker, right? Um, so I'm always facing challenges. I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like, you know, my day-to-day life is putting out a fire or solving something complex and addressing a new challenge in my business. Again, I want to fail fast. I want to learn from it. I want to move on. I want to iterate and perfect it. You know, think about like agile development and technology. Any of my tech folks that listen to this are going to get this. So stick with me. Stick. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of, I'll, I won't get too deep, but think about agile development. There are sprint cycles that are that are structured in a way within a agile deployment of a project, software deployment specifically, where you are going to iterate and build something quickly, but you're going to focus on a specific portion of the project of the software itself. For example, if I'm going to build an entire mobile app that's going to allow you to check your bank balances, do transfers and mm-hmm. sell money out to friends and family and uh, maybe take a picture of a check. I'm not going to build the entire app, take seven months, build it and then turn it over to a client. The client says, dude, this sucks. This is not what I bought. It's not what I want. This is not the experience. I need right. you to change this, 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 this and this. Now you got to go back. You got to get those developers. You got to get those engineers back on the horn, back at a desk re-engage them. And now they have to remember what they built six months ago 
make the appropriate changes based on the client feedback. I'd much rather take two weeks at a time, build one single component or one microservice Mm -hmm. that's going to do one specific task. I'm going to now QA test it, send it over to the client to review, get immediate feedback. And now when the knowledge is fresh in my mind, I'm going to now make that change, pivot, adjust, or it's great. And now we can move on to the next thing, right? Mm -hmm. So that's that iterative, agile type of design and type of flow. So I try to implement the things that I've learned in the tech space in my business as well. So instead of trying to solve the entire big issue, entire big problem, I just focus it down to specific tasks, specific items, and just go that way. So I kind of leverage a little of those things and the VAs helped me do that. But I think the biggest thing just recently, one specific challenge um, is, is just figuring out where and how to maximize revenue within a specific business of mine, right? Mm -hmm. And for me to do that, I was bumping my head, bumping my head, getting the numbers wrong. This is what I projected and they're coming out to this. Why am I not, why is it not adding up? I don't have an accounting background, I'm not a finance guy, Um, but it just, it wasn't added up. So I finally decided, you know what I'm gonna do? Uh, Not only am I gonna hire a professional bookkeeper that can kind of help me manage my books and finances and accounting on a day-to-day basis and monthly basis, step one, Mm-hmm. Uh, should have probably done that three, four years ago, but got that in place. And then step two, I hired a committee, call of it, call it a volunteer committee, a pseudo board, mm-hmm. right? A board that I have that I'm not just leaning on my own ideas and experiences anymore to make decisions. I can now share ideas with my board. They can give me feedback on the decision. And then I take other, you know, other folks' background and experience into account before pivoting into a new area. And some of the investments that we make are you know, pretty sizable, right? It could be a, a six-figure investment, right? So nothing to sneeze at. And you want to kind of get those things right. So at the level that I'm playing now, I can't make the type of mistakes I would make at a lower level, right? When right. I with the ten thousand dollar investment, you might be able to get away with a couple bumps and bruises and a couple losses. But when it's 150,000, 200,000, not so much. So if I want to continue to kind of move at the pace I'm moving, I had to put that board in place to be able to help me make those quick decisions to get other feedback and then pivot and move accordingly. So those two things I think have helped me been able to um, kind of keep moving at the pace I'm going, um, Mm -hmm. but also kind of maintain uh, some, some level of accountability at my leadership level. So it's important to, and to surround yourself and build um, that team to help you maybe overcome challenges that you, you're not either skilled in or, um, uh, or you don't have a knowledge base of where in your case, this board, you know, helps you um, really deliver and learn to be uh, a better business person. Um, and, and develop skills that um, they're a little bit stronger in areas yeah. that um, you don't have time to focus on, right? And I got a, I got a guy, for example, I got a guy on my board that's been doing real estate for as long as I've been alive. Okay, there's there's certain things that you know I'm just not going to get to yet, right? I'm I'm not even forty, right? And yeah, I, I, I you have to recognize, and I think you have to be self aware enough mm-hmm. to be able to say dude, like my knowledge is not infinite. Okay. I'm just not there yet. 
right? right? I need to bring in some more senior people who've done this. Mm-hmm. Who've done, maybe maybe it's not the exact same thing I'm doing. Maybe we're not overlapping and stepping on each other's toes or directly competing mm-hmm. with one another. But he's got, she's got experiences that I don't have as a background and, and a knowledge base that's going to help me and drive my business forward. Um, I'm going to have to reward them somehow. I can't afford to pay, you right. know, eight people with that level of experience accordingly, but it works out really nicely, uh, them being a part of our business and really helping mentor me as well in the process. Um, so it's been really helpful. Yeah. And, and every um, successful business person I've ever come across or anyone that you know we've all read about has some sort of team in place um, yeah. that's, that's made them better. Right. Yeah. And so I yeah. think the best advice that that I'm hearing you saying that I would give is to make sure you put that team together and don't try and do everything on your own. God uh, no, because that's when those mistakes become even bigger. Yeah, and, and then we start doing things and trying to operate and navigate in an area that we have really little to no knowledge of of you know of of how to be successful in. So I think yeah. it's great advice, and anyone listening is to you know start forming start forming your team with those those people and make sure you have that you know, that accountant or that tech person in place or that business leader, even if yep. it's a, even if it's a, you know, a, 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 not even a board, if you will, but just a kind of a network you start to form. Just a network, right. It doesn't have to be super formal. You don't have to pay the folks. It could even be family members, right? right? Some people, you've got an accountant in your family. You've got a cousin that's really good at technology and websites. And mm-hmm. you've got a, a friend that you went to college with that's like, a buddy you guys hang out with and go to games together. He's really good at, you know, maybe he's a lawyer, right? right. Maybe maybe you've got a, a classmate and, and, you know, she's she's really adept at like trademarking and, and things like that, right? So mm-hmm. you can leverage those skills and look in your friend network first, look in your family first, and then go outside of that. And obviously when your business grows to your point, you know, David, no doubt you can more formalize that in the future, but right. it started for me with just informal people I had in my friend group. And now it's recently graduated to a formal board. Right. And, and, and while you're kind of maneuvering and discovering all that, and, and you put that together, um, you're going to, you, you come you overcome challenges, but you're also facing some adversity. Um, and a lot of people who come across that while they're putting those you know things together um, or trying to figure out what that step would be to them is, how do they handle adversity? Like, what what would you say to that person? Like, you know, like if someone, they have no idea they've come across, you know, they're developing this business strategy or idea or concept or career yeah. path that they're trying to jump into. Yeah. Um, but they really don't know what that word adversity means. Like, how, what yeah. does that mean to you? And like, how, how, if you're explaining this to your, you know, to your son or daughter, like, yeah. you know, and they're, they're coming to you with a concept, what would you say to them? You know, like, uh, like, yeah. this is what, this is what you should do or, um, how you should handle a situation. Yeah, I love that. I think that's really good. And I think if you can't stand the shark tank test, let's call it the shark tank test right. of the idea and, and and take criticism and really pitch your business idea, a concept, a clothing, uh, you know, maybe you're trying to come up with like some type of new brand. Um, if you can't handle kind of the shark tank test, mm-hmm. um, then it's probably not something you want to jump into, right? And what I mean by that is um, anytime my daughter, for example, she's you know 15, you know, she's a runner mm-hmm. and she's doing mm-hmm. well in school and you know, looking at college soon and you know, breaking records, but she's also kind of starting to kind of dibble and dabble into like 
business and, and entrepreneurship, which is kind of right. cool to just right. see her do that. So she makes beads and bracelets and she does nails and mm -hmm. she's like, you know, you got kids coming over the house over the weekend. She's got like four or five of her friends and mm -hmm. they're like, they're all clients. Right. And I'm right. like, <laughs> are they just hanging out? I'm thinking they're yeah. like doing TikTok and little business, little business meeting <laughs> she's having like a business meeting in the basement. I'm like, who knew? Um, and you know, she comes with ideas every now and again, dad, you know, I think I want to do this. It could be something small of just recently for her 16th birthday coming up in February. She said, uh, Hey dad, I really like to take a group of my friends down to Florida, uh, to Orlando for my birthday. And I'm like, okay, wow. Kind of, it's a big, yeah. it's a big deal to want to plan something like that at 15. Right. Um, and I'm like, okay. So I said, we'll do this. Give me a presentation break it down for me. I need you to look at everything. Flights, are we going to drive or are we going to fly? Right. Mm -hmm. Run the numbers for me. Right. Give me a transportation budget. Um, also, uh, give me a, how many people, right? How many people are we talking about? Are we talking boys and girls or are we mm -hmm. just talking just a group of girlfriends? That's right. that's going to change the dynamic. And <laughs> that's right. That's right. Your mom and I need to sit down and think about that. Right. right. Are you talking about bringing your brothers and the family or is it just like a me and my friends type of thing? Right. Mm -hmm. So and also, where are we going? What activities are we going to do when we get there? So build me a presentation. Take your time. It's early. Uh, she brought it to me in, I think, October. So good on her. She she mm -hmm. had enough time to plan it out. And she came back to me in a week, in one week with wow. a full presentation. And she pitched it Shark Tank style to <laughs> my uh, my wife and I. And afterwards, it was kind of hard for me. She had really thought of everything. Um, and obviously, it's not the business concept of Shark Tank, if you will. Right. But I think from a from a teenager's perspective, I think I'm teaching her. Hopefully, hopefully, I don't have it all figured out, but I'm hoping that that concept of building a business case for an expenditure is now a part of her. Right? It should be natural to think, oh, I'm not just going to go and do this thing irresponsibly and mm -hmm. without any concept of budget and who's coming and this and just kind of winging it. To now think, how hey, can I put some thought into this? Now I'm going to come back to my mom, come back to my dad with all the details and then ask them for help, ask them for clarity and obviously for permission and budget mm -hmm. to go out and do it. Well, I do the same thing at work, right? If I'm looking to uh, you know, fly to India to go recruit you know, some, some new engineers or if I'm looking to um, go down a new path and build a new feature as part of our product or uh, create a new partnership with a, a vendor and and we've got some mutual initiative that we want to tackle. That's going to take time, resources, money, right? Mm -hmm. And budget from our organization. So you've got to do those same type of things at this level as she's now hopefully going to be experienced to do at her level. Right. Um, hopefully those type of lessons will allow you to be prepared for adversity. Mm -hmm. And I think you're never going to run away from it. You're always going to face a challenge, but it's how you meet it. Mm -hmm. And if you're built for it, you'll be able to consistently meet adversity with a solution. Right. And I think the people that do really well in tech or do really well in real estate are going to be very similar in the fact of they're going to be the ones that handle adversity the best. So get used to it. If you're, uh, if you're a chicken and you're, you're just, you know, not the adversity right. type, you like the smooth road. Entrepreneurship is probably not for you. Number right. one, let's just right. say that. Right. Um, and I think you should be prepared to face that adversity again with solutions each and every time. Great, great advice. Yeah, I love that, uh, especially um, 
with your daughter coming up with that and taking the initiative uh, at such a young age to to really um, figure out and and understand what it takes um, you know to pull something like that off at yep. a young age but not, but that's also the other intangibles that you can't touch and teach her you know like you know the mental component of now she you got you have her thinking of um wow i didn't i really didn't think of is it gonna be boys as girls and what's the how yeah. that changes the dynamic or or yep. the you know the um ad, the the advent the events that you're gonna have to plan uh and yep. and risks that you're taking uh with boys and girls and yep. and, Dude, and the you, travel. Should see, you should see the airbnb that we ended up settling on i mean it's it's <laughs> it's 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 a it's a it's a good trip i'm looking forward to it so we're doing it obviously it's happening mm-hmm. um but yeah to your point a lot went into it and she did 90 percent of the work which awesome. i i was even surprised that she was able to step up and 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 get it she she grasped it she got it it made sense and mm-hmm. she went through it i'm going to send you the note sheet that she made i, I, I want i want to see it because my son is it. like you oh, know man. we yeah, I, I wanted to see it because my son is, um, you know, we, you know, he, we love to see that little entrepreneurial spirit and and yeah. and anyone, but like, you know, we told him he, you know, he wants things, but like, well, no, well, yeah. this is you have to work for it, you know. When we were year young, we, you know, like we had, I had to work, I had a paper route, you know, that's how yeah. that's my first job, and I had to figure out a way to earn money, and yeah. so now he's, you know, he's. He's got on, he's um, figured out, you know, he's watched, he's a very um, analytical thinker. Like, so he got on, did some research on YouTube and like how, so he went on to, you know, help, we helped him create a little account on, on an app and, you know, like, so now he's figuring out like, all right, how to sell and move like items, like to earn a little bit of money and then how to save it. And then how to, uh, you know, uh, to put it in an area where, Okay, you can have a little fun, but you also have to be responsible with your money too, and teach that yep. teach that um, that lesson. So I love, especially with the younger kids, of seeing their brains think of like, how can I make this happen? And that's and what, what I'm talking and, about. And yeah, love it, love it, love it. Um, so you're um, so anyone listening obviously knows your story and and your message right now. That as you as you talk and and see how motivating and inspiring it is. Um, what does it mean to you when I say we should live each day to continue to discover your purpose, passion, and drive? Only you control that. Don't let the world guide you down a path that may not be for you. What would you say to that? Oh, man, dude, if, if, if that could be like on my tombstone one day, it could probably, you know, kind of sum <laughs> up the way that I've been thinking more recently. I, I don't think I was always there, mm-hmm. you know, David, but I think I'm getting to that point now in life where... I'm being more present in my not only day-to-day life with my kids and, you know, hopefully my wife mm-hmm. and also the business, right? Um, I'm being more present about the decisions. I'm saying no a lot more than I used to. Right. Oh my God, you don't know how many times I would feel obligated to say yes to every family obligation, to every invite, to an optional meeting, mm-hmm. uh, to uh, a friend that wants to just go hang out and uh, grab a beer or grab lunch or grab dinner. And, you know, you got to start saying no. And right. I think by, by me doing that, it allowed me to have more strategic thinking time to myself mm-hmm. or with my wife or, you know, with any of the mentors that I have and my board that I talked about. And I've got more time to do deep thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's allowed me, I think, to be more creative, to come up with clear you know, decisions and a path forward for my business. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it allows me to be more sharper in the areas that really matter. So I think if you are able to kind of focus in a lane that you're really good at and build, a lot of people always talk about side hustles, right? And I'm like, at one point, people were calling me like, oh, you're the side hustle guy, right? Mm-hmm. And I did kind of like it after a while because number one, you're kind of expecting that that side hustle is going to remain a side hustle. And for all intents and purposes, my side hustle is really like a solid business now. It's no right. longer a side hustle. It is outgrown right. side hustle status, right? <laughs> so I think by you calling it a side hustle gives a certain type of responsibility and kind of connotation to it that you're not going to give effort. You're not going to give passion. You're not going to pour into it as you would a brick and mortar business, let's say. Right. Um, so I had to really start changing the way I thought about my side hustles. Are they really side hustles? And I said, no, they're not. I actually changed my name. My name on Facebook used to be like side hustle Cortez or whatever. <laughs> and uh, I had to kind of go through a rebranding when I came to that realization of, am I pigeonholing myself? Am I putting um, a, maybe an unrecognized ceiling on my own business? Right. Um, so I think just kind of recognizing, uh, the ability to be present, to be more present, to say no, to kind of be in my own lane and focus on the things that I'm good at and everything else that I'm not good at, that I'm not really good at Mm -hmm. just, it's okay to say no. It's okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay to say no to family. It's okay to say no to friends. It's okay to say no to business and money. I had contracts for, Hey dude, we could bring you in as a consultant. You could do this for us. It's Mm going to pay you 30,000, right. For like one gig. I'm like, man, that's awesome. Back in the day, I would have said yes. I would have took the right. 30000 I would have came home. I would have been stressed out. Mm-hmm. I would have been upset, you know, kick the dog, kick the cat type of attitude <laughs> right. because I'm now frustrated, right? right. I, I don't have the time to decompress and spend time with the people that really matter and things like that. So I think mm-hmm. being able to recognize that over the past couple of years has helped me more in the businesses that I do now, in the lanes that I'm in now and operate in only. So there you go. Great, great, uh, great words of wisdom, uh, and and so much of it is is so true that we always consume. If we're always if we have that entrepreneurial spirit or that you know that business drive, it's hard to always say um, or not say no, like like and get yeah. caught up and be yeah. so stretched then that yeah. you know we're not being our best version of ourselves. And yeah. so, really, to identify those areas and to focus on. Um, you know, the, um, the stuff that really matters is important and, um, not, you know, don't dilute, um, what you're really, what you're trying to be about. And I think that's great advice, uh, which, um, kind of leads me to the last couple of questions and really about your knowledge and, um, your passion of putting that all together, kind of lump something. Yes. And you talk about family and friends want to pick your brain here and that have you, Put together or or maybe you're already working on this now or thought of putting something together like in a in like a book form of of your all your knowledges and all your experiences to get that out to the world have you thought about doing something like that you know what man the funny you say that um I, for some reason maybe i need to do that because i've gotten asked about that a couple of times more recently it's happening it just happened i was at an event i was on a panel uh mm-hmm. this past weekend And right after we finished, um, you know, just mixing and mingling, there's a networking time after the event and a young lady, super talented. um, She's a executive at Uber Mm -hmm. and uh, she's on their leadership team. She's like, dude, man, we had so much good conversation on the panel. 
and you had kind of different experiences from different areas. You ever thought about writing a book? And I'm like, no, but I've heard it once or twice where kind of people have maybe prompted me about that. But, mm-hmm. and now, you know, kind of now you're asking today. So <laughs> it's not something that I've uh, focused on, obviously, or, or yeah. thought about much, but uh, maybe I should, maybe I should. So you've given me an idea and, you know, maybe, maybe I should spend some time there. I mean, you have a lot, you really do have a lot of good um, tips and strategies and. Um, I don't and- think so, by the way, I don't think so. I just think I'm just like figuring it out. I'm just like going day to day. Right. I'm trying to be like the most successful I can be. All right. Give the kids a lifestyle and the the, mm-hmm. the 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 life I didn't have coming up. And along the way, I'm gonna read some stuff. I'm gonna you know pour into <laughs> others, and it's just kind of a part of life. I don't think of it that way mm-hmm. until until you get asked, right? Until you right. until right. someone says, and I'm like, well, I probably do have a lot that I could probably talk about and put some chapters together, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, uh, it, it really, I mean, with when I put, you know, the pandemic kind of caused me to put you know, my book out there and, um, and it's not like a, a hard read. It's an easy read. And, you know, like yeah. after ta- talking about and, and, and the life experience and the business experience that I personally kind of went through them, like maybe, you know, maybe that could help somebody, you know, who yeah. you know, not make the mistake that I made, or maybe give them that motivational, inspirational push. So, um, and and I think with what what you're doing and what you've built to this point and what you continue to build is a lot of great useful information in and, and that I, th- I think could help a lot of people. So I think you should do that. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, well, sounds like sounds like I've got someone to proofread. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you <laughs> to start, start that. Um, so let, um, let's uh, we'll wrap this up really a couple um, quick rapid fire kind of type questions. Um, you're very busy and anyone, anyone who's busy in life and business, you know, we have to stay physically and mentally sharp. What, what do you do? What does Cortez do to stay physically and mentally sharp each and every day? And what would you tell somebody who, you know, work is important and work hard, but you also have to focus on yourself too. Man, that's, that's a big point. I'm so glad you brought that up. And I, I think the biggest thing for me has been taking care of my physical body as well, right? Staying mm-hmm. sharp, reading, educating myself and staying active mentally and engaged mentally is, is all great. But I, I think I'm better when I'm also uh, physically active mm-hmm. as well. So I'm a former runner. I'm a former collegiate runner and you know former athlete. So um, I do, I run, I, I go off for a run, even if it's a mile, two miles. I mean, I have time to do four right. or five miles every day, right? Time is limited. So you kind of mm-hmm. have to face it out. Honestly, nowadays, I'm probably only working out two to four times a week. Mm-hmm. So three is probably kind of the sweet spot, but like four, mm-hmm. if I do four times in a week, man, I'm doing great. I'm on right. it. Um, but even in those off days, I might still get up and roll out of bed. And before I jump in to do anything else, I may knock out 50 push-ups. I may mm-hmm. knock out 60, 75 sit-ups, gets my day going, gets my blood mm-hmm. flow, have that glass of water, mm-hmm. you know, maybe with a little lime or a little lemon, just to kind of get that alkaline blood flow going. Yeah. Uh, kind of have everything processing and then kick off the day with everything else. So um, kind of just being consistently active. Again, I don't do a bunch of big, big things. Like I don't do a bunch of marathons or 10 Ks mm-hmm. anymore. Like I used to, right. um, it's that, you know, let's call it one to three miles, you know, two to four times a week, and then mixing in a little bit of uh, weightlifting mm-hmm. and, and just body stuff in between and watching kind of what I eat. I eat everything. I don't 
discriminate from that perspective. <laughs> right. Have everything in moderation as well. And I think when you're you're less bloated and uh, you don't have all those fatty foods clogging you down, your mm-hmm. mind is also sharper as well. Um, so I think there's a huge relationship to what you eat and how you feel physically to how you are able to um, you know, process thoughts and think creatively. Yeah. And, and so it's so important to stay mentally and physically sharp and do those things to, to be our best version of ourselves, especially the eating part, because I'm a big believer and always have been um, food is your medicine. Um, right. And um, and let medicine be your food. You've heard that, probably heard that saying before. And a good friend of mine um, has always said that. Um, and every time I hear it, it kind of stops and makes you think of, you know, you can have those those um, little indulgence, if you will, your slice of pizza, your you know your ice cream cone, oh, but, do it. but don't let your whole lifestyle be that. And and Got it. you know, and there's a balance between that and how you feel. And so important that when you to think about what you're putting inside your body, because that's ultimately going to dictate how you feel and how you perform each and every day. Right. And so if I challenge anybody, you know, when they listen to this part of it is to really think about each and every day, plan out, you plan out your diet, just like you would your day. Um, And it doesn't mean you can't have those things, but they're important that you, that you incorporate exercise and then mental exercises as well. So especially, if, especially if you're in the in the business world, because your your mind is going in several different directions as is your body, and to always be as sharp as you possibly can. So um, thanks you thanks for sharing that too. And and like you, um, you know, being a sprinter, you know, when I was younger and 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 doing stuff in club and college, but like now I've gotten into more distance. So I'm the opposite of you. Like I'm now I'm doing more distance. <laughs> I'm not yeah, sure why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, but it's really like relaxing and I'm able to think and clear oh, my right. mind and and even think about some business strategies, you know, on a long run of like, Man. wow, you know, I'm recognizing those things. So it's it's very interesting. How many, so, how many times have you been out in a run and you've solved a problem that you were struggling with in your business, right? Has that happened to you? Yes, yeah, a lot more, more often than I'd like to admit. But <laughs> it, come on, it's 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 like it's an extension of the boardroom. It's extension right. of the office. Right. When, when that's your mental escape and your your way of kind of getting uh, emotions right. out and kind of getting that adrenaline going. Sometimes you can think even more clearly while you're out running and I'm the same way. So absolutely. There absolutely. You there you go. Yep. So now a good little nutritional tips and advice. See, <laughs> we're sharing lots today. Um, uh, wrapping it up. Um, two quick things. And um, I like to ask my guests uh, really to share is there uh, a, like a fun fact about themselves? Is there something or some things maybe your friends, family, or colleagues don't know about Cortez? Any hidden talents that you want to share with the world today? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Um, let's see. Well, I think uh, one fun fact that maybe some people don't know that I'm like on Instagram and things like that, or social media, or even LinkedIn for that matter. Um, I was a paratrooper before I got into kind of everything that I do now. And I joined the National Guard while I was in my banking career. Um, so I'm in banking. I'm, I'm a couple of years in. I'm a young guy, just graduated school, right? First few years in banking. And I joined the guard and I, I go to enlist and um, I'm at the MEPS office. I'm doing my physical and everything. And now I'm at the point mm-hmm. where I got to like pick my job. So I go in and I've got a degree. At that point, I'm, I, I think I was working on my second degree um, and I had a bunch of other credits and things like that. So I have plenty of qualifications to go forward to become an officer. So that was my goal. going to go be an officer. But I didn't know it. I had something that showed up on my credit report on the background check for the 
top secret security clearance that I needed to get to become right. an officer in the guard. So they said, you got two choices. It's a minor thing. You can go fix it, come back in a couple months and you can kind of join from mm -hmm. there. Or you can go in and just pick a different job. You don't have to become an Intel officer like you're trying to right. do. You can go do something else and you can kind of fix it while you're in the military and then go from there. Right. I said, yeah, you know what? That didn't sound like a bad idea. I'm an impatient guy. I've made the decision to join the reserves. Let right. me do it now before I go change my mind. I go home. I may think about this and right. I may not come back. Right. So I said, I'll do it. And uh, the guy said, okay, great. He was, uh, I think, a staff sergeant. He said, um, he said, okay, well, well, what do you want to do? What do you like to do? I said, I really don't care. I said, just give me the best job that's that I qualify for that's got the highest potential pay. Uh, so if I stick in it, at least it'll be good for me. And then it'll be something good I'll have on my resume right. um, before I flip over to officer school. So long story short, I ended up joining uh, Airborne Division as a rigger, as a paratrooper. I didn't even know when I signed up for the job that they were going to make me jump out of C-130s and C-17s and Chinooks and Blackhawks. My first day out of boot camp when uh, they sent me to kind of this ranger group to kind of prep before I go to airborne school, mm -hmm. I was like shocked. I'm like, I'm calling my mom. Mom, what have I done? I'm going to die. I'm not going to oh, make yeah. it. <laughs> so it was just hilarious and uh, ended up being really great. I obviously conquered my fear of, of heights uh, during that process and jumped out of perfectly good airplanes and have some great experiences. And I did it on the reserve side. I was activated for a little bit for a few months after that. Um, but most of my time in the military until last year when I ETS um, has been in the reserves, but it's been really great and a really fruitful part of my life that I think has really balanced me, grounded me, uh, given me some good experiences and the ability to now uh, have a different audience mm -hmm. with the veterans and the veterans group that I'm a part of as well. That's a that, that's an extreme talent, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so on a plane, if it's going down. I'm looking for a parachute. I'm looking for right. a way out. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm jumping on your back. I'm with you. <laughs> Let's go, dude. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. Um, so, um, uh, Cortez, if somebody wants to follow you on social media or email you, how can they reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, email is just uh, coreleisure at gmail.com. So, it's C O R L E I S U R E at gmail.com. And then you can find me on social media at executive underscore T E Z. So, executive awesome. underscore Tez on Instagram is probably the best way to reach me. If you're looking more professionally, you want to talk more about fintech and, and things like that in the tech space, you can find me on LinkedIn, just Cortez Adams. I should be easy to find. Uh, there's not a whole bunch of guys with my name on LinkedIn. <laughs> I will, uh, I will put it, uh, I will put that all in the show notes. Lastly, um, Cortez, you're on the Why Not Me podcast. What does that mean to you? Um, any advice to give to someone listening who's struggling to believe that they are worth it and worthy of being great and happy with what they do each and every day? Man, what a great way to close it out. Uh, number one, it's been a great conversation. Hopefully someone got something out of this. I have no idea. Hopefully so. I hope so. Hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Um, but, but Why Not Me is big. Um, just just kind of dealing with your own demons, your own, uh, you know, your own belief systems. Maybe it be uh, your own family dynamic that you grew up in kind of gives you a certain perspective, uh, gives you a certain self-worth and, and maybe even some misdirected issues that uh, have, have were meant for someone else that you're now holding on to. I think for me, I had to remove myself from those things in order to become Cortez in order to become me, in order to kind of feel good in my own skin, 
I had to kind of let go of other people's expectations. I had to say, why not me? Um, you know, I, I want more for myself and I think I deserve it. My family deserve it. My, my wife deserves it. My kids right. I'm sure deserve it. Um, but it was finding myself by letting go of others and letting go of the expectations that others had on me. Mm-hmm. When I was able to do that, I felt free. I felt peace. I felt lighter. And I think I had the freedom to make some mistakes in my journey in becoming who I needed to become. So um, that's a big thing for me. Um, Why Not Me? It's been a great book. I think I've got it somewhere on the desk. Uh, <laughs> I see I've, it back I've, there. <laughs> I've, got it, I've got it somewhere. Um, and uh, I think it's been a, a really good calling card. Um, so thank you for all you do. And I hope people Appreciate challenge themselves by thinking exactly that and then pushing the envelope and going after it. I appreciate that. You've been a phenomenal guest. I've enjoyed our conversation and uh, um, look forward to, we'll be looking up in the skies, make sure you're not jumping out of any planes. Uh, <laughs> I hope not. Uh, no, hope not either. Hope not either. So uh, thanks for your time, buddy. And um, if, uh, uh, if you need anything, reach out to me, I'll certainly reach out to you and anyone listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Uh, we'll put some, all that information in our show notes and Cortez, thank you for your time today. Appreciate you. Awesome. Thank you. Take care. You have a great day. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for joining today's show with Cortez Adams. Cortez is an interesting and very smart individual who shared many good tips, life stories, and strategies to be successful as an entrepreneur and in life in general. Cortez, thank you very much for joining us. I enjoyed our conversation. Look forward to many more. And if you are enjoying this podcast and would like to hear more, uh, please give us a five-star rating and share this episode with a friend and uh, give us a like if you can. Thanks for joining us. And remember, when in doubt, always ask yourself, why not me? Why not now? Until the next one, have a great day.